Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. Welcome back to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm excited and to be honest, I'm a little bit nervous today. I've got Benjamin Dennehy on the show and I'm hoping he doesn't call me a terrible sales guy, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Benjamin, (laughs) (laughs) he's the UK's most hated sales trainer. He's well known for his viral and slightly controversial cold calling video that blew up fairly recently on LinkedIn. He provides sales training to almost every type of industry, including FX currency traders within the city, recruiters within Miami, uh, nuclear valve manufacturers, engineering companies, software construction companies, you name it. Benjamin probably trains it. Benjamin, welcome to the show. How's it going? Uh, It's good. Thanks for having me on, Sam. I appreciate the invitation. Thank you. No worries. Good to have you on, man. So there's a lot of ground myself and the audience want to cover today. Okay. And um, we want to kind of talk through your business growth tips, how digital marketing's helped you, um, tri- all, all kinds of strategies that you can recommend to both sales guys okay. and business guys alike. Yeah. If we, can start, if we can start from the top though, I'd be really interested to know your background, your story, where you grew up and how you got into the business world from, let's say, leaving school. Okay. So uh, I'm from New Zealand. Uh, I grew up in a town called Nelson, which is uh, a coastal town like Bournemouth, where I am now. Um, Only about 50,000 people. Uh, I went to university because I knew I had no skills to get a job. So I ended up reading law and history. So I graduated. I then trained to be a barrister. uh, And I qualified to be a barrister. And I was meant to be a a criminal defense lawyer. That's everything that I wanted to be. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, So that was the plan. Uh, but I realized I'd do that for the rest of my life. And so before I, before I you know, really sunk my teeth into it, I thought I'd maybe do a little bit of travel and primarily was going to travel around New Zealand, you know, see my own country. But um, I ran into a friend who happened to be a lawyer uh, on the street and he said, why don't you go to England? So I thought, yeah. sod it, why not? So six weeks later, uh, I arrived in England with no plan, no, no real idea of what I was going to do. It was just not really be a lawyer. So that was the plan. Um, so I ended up working in pubs. Um, if you go back to the late, no, the beginning of the two thousands, most pubs in Britain were run or, or, or staffed by Australians, New Zealanders and South Africans. Uh, okay. so it was very easy to get a job and it was free food, free board and, uh, paid a minimum wage, but you know, you didn't really have any expenses. So life was good. You'd save up money and you'd go traveling. So I did that for a lot longer than I'd anticipated, uh, about four years, I believe. Uh, Sounds good fun. How old were you then? So I would have been, I think I came over at 22 or 23. Okay. So I did that till about 27 and then I thought, I've got to go home. I've got to grow up. I can't <laughs> keep doing this. So I went home and that's when I realized I didn't want to live in New Zealand. So I came back. But now I had to get an actual proper job. Um, and I couldn't practice as a barrister unless I did another two years training because I hadn't done five years post-qualifying experience. So I thought, well, what the hell do I do now? I have no skills. I don't want to work in a pub. Uh, and uh, being a qualified lawyer is great, but there's nothing you can do with it unless you're a lawyer. So it's like, um, well, I'll get a job then. And who's always hiring? Sales. That's that's how I felt it, like everyone. <laughs> I needed a job. Yeah. And I didn't dribble during the first interview and I dressed smartly. And that's pretty <laughs> much the only uh, qualifying condition you need to get a job in sales. And that was it. Um, I was in. And when I say in, it's almost like a life sentence because it is almost a prison sentence for most of us. And it's like, after a few years of doing it, you think, what the hell do I do with myself now? I'm stuck. <laughs> it's I true. Once, once you're in, that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah. There's no, there's no skill transferable <laughs> here, really. So, and it's, uh, oh, and that can be quite soul destroying. So, um, I, uh, I started off in recruitment. Okay. Uh, uh, was there a reason sales... why, or that was just a sales job that you found? That was the first one to offer me a sales yeah. job. Okay. They'll take anyone. Like these are recruiters for goodness sake. I mean, let, 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 the, the bar is set so low. Yeah. So they'll take anyone. Yeah. 
So I passed that and I, I started doing recruitment. I, I did set a company record though. I worked for them for six months and I didn't recruit a single person. I was crap. Wow. Um, yeah. why, why do you think that was? I hated it. Okay. I just didn't like recruitment. Um, and what I did discover, they gave me a week's notice, basically. They said, Benjamin, you got a week's notice. You either do something or you're out. So I remember thinking, uh, this was a Friday too. So um, I remember I went to the pub at lunchtime, as you did in the day, and uh, I sat there looking into my pint thinking, I've got a week and then I'm out of a job. And I know the only other job I can get is another sales job. Even though I crap at this one, they'll still hire me because, again, I won't dribble during the interview. So um, I just went back to the office and I hit the phones really hard for the whole week. And I set up a lot of appointments. And I had a stay of execution. And then the following Friday, they said, just keep doing what you're doing. So okay. another week goes by and I got another load of appointments. Ah. And at the end of this two weeks, they said, we're going to give you a new job. You are not good enough to be a recruiter. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to get you doing solely business development. We just want you to set up appointments for proper recruiters to go on. Like lead gen kind of thing. Lead gen, exactly. So that's how I became a lead generation business development manager, I suppose. Um, and ironically, I got poached by a company. What are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a company that specialized in setting appointments for advertising agencies in London I see. Uh, hired me. And so I knew nothing about advertising, but all I had to do was get appointments with marketing directors and brand managers for these advertising agencies to go on. And I did well at that. Uh, I had a natural ability to break down doors and get people to uh, invite me in. Um, and then I thought to myself, why am I working for this company? Why don't I just go out and find my own advertising agencies and offer this service on a one-to-one -one personal basis and work from their office and they pay me direct. Cause I mean, the amount of money they were paying in the mid 2000 or late 2000s. I mean, I, I think I had like five, five, six clients at any one time and they'd be paying the company anywhere between two and a half and 4,000 pounds a month. Okay. So I did the math and I thought they're making like 16,000 pounds a month off of me and I only get paid two and a half thousand or whatever the hell it was. So I did that. I went direct. I found my own advertising agencies and I started selling in the same service. Uh, and I enjoyed that. And I was good at it. And all my clients ended up winning business. I didn't win business. I just got them in front of the right people. Um, okay. And would you say that your knack or your ability to generate leads or set appointments, where did that come from? Because you said you did recruitment for six months or so. You were in your last week's warning. And you thought, oh, damn, I've got to hit these phones hard. And was it because of the urgency? Was it because you had this massive um, thing above your head? Well, there was a, yeah, there was a huge motivator, which was starvation. And that is the most powerful motivator uh, uh, for anyone, is not wanting to die of starvation. So there yeah. was that, but it didn't explain why I was good. And it was quite funny because I would get asked by my clients who said, we've used a lot of people like you, or we've used a lot of companies that say they do this stuff. But they've never been quite as effective of you. And people would say, why are you so good? And I would always say, I have no idea. <laughs> but what I do know is certain things seem to work, but I don't know why. Ah, right, okay. Uh, and this was it. And what I used to do is I naturally would play a bit of a, um, I naturally would dumb down my abilities on the phone. So I'd pretend I didn't know what I was doing when I got through to someone. I'd make out that it was my first day on the job and could they help me? And what I discovered is the more I struggled, the more people helped me. I didn't know why. I used to put on a fake stutter. In fact, I did it so often I had to stop doing it because I started to do a stutter outside of work. Oh, well. But people don't hang up on a guy with a stutter. I mean, you'd have to be an absolute wanker, wouldn't you? So, <laughs> you think so, yeah. I, I realized very quickly that the more I struggled and, and the more I um, appealed to people's sense of rescuing, that they tended to give me more leeway. Um, I also did every trick in the book that most salespeople do. I would beg for meetings. I would promise that you know, I, I did that. But most of the time I wanted to find out, did they have a problem that we could fix? And if so, maybe it's worth meeting. If not, I don't mind. But I did that for a good eight years. Oh, well, okay. So you, you worked for, you came out of this recruitment company. And worked for myself. I worked for this company worked for, this for about other 18 company. months. And then I worked, and so I've been self-employed 
since 2006. So I've been 100% commission since 2006. I only get paid if I sell. So that's why I have little sympathy for sales folk who get nice basics and then bitch and moan about how tough it is. I no, see. you be 100% commission. And this is why I say all salespeople should be 100% commission. You shouldn't pay a salesperson. If you feed a hunter-gatherer, they just turn into a fat, lazy git. You've got to get them out there chucking the spear. And if they can't hunt and kill and survive, shouldn't be in the game. And that's a very unpopular opinion, but because I do it, I, I feel it's, it's, it's not like I'm you know, being two-faced. Um, so where was I going? Yeah, so you said you, you basically realized that this company, after, after the recruitment, you went to this next company, you were selling yeah. essentially appointments for them. Yeah. And you realized that you're only getting 2K or so a month, whereas they were taking all the profits. Yeah. So you, you started doing something for yourself. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, then I went out and found two or three agencies on my own. They okay. would pay me two, two and a half grand a month. And I'd get them, the, the, the aim was four meetings per month on average per client. And because advertisers are creative people and they just love to get in front of people to talk about themselves as long as they got in front of somebody uh, with the right job title they actually didn't care if there was an opportunity or not they just wanted to get in front of people so it was quite for me easy i could get the meetings and they go on and eventually they'd win business but i made it clear from the outset that i don't win business i simply kick the door down and so you can't judge me i would say on whether or not you win you'd have to judge me on whether or not you are meeting the right person in the company and they were who you wanted to meet if i do that i've done my job right sounds straightforward enough so that went well and then after a while i started asking could i come on the meetings i'd like to see what you do don't get me started on creative meetings yeah and this is when i realized nobody knew what the hell they were doing and I would sit there and they'd take laptops along and they'd have a creds presentation and it would have the history of the agency and why it was created and their ethos. And then they'd have case studies on clients they'd work with and the success rate. And they'd have this whole 20 whatever. And then there'd be some questions back and forth and it would end with, well, we've really enjoyed meeting you. Uh, we don't have anything right now, but you're definitely in the pipeline or we do have a brief. Could you go away and have maybe have a look at it and come back with some thoughts? And I'd say, was that a good meeting? Oh, yeah, it was good, Benjamin. I'd say, why? Oh, well, they like us. And this is what I discovered. These people were only in it for people to tell them they liked them. And it was like, but no one's buying anything. Oh, don't, Benjamin, Benjamin, this is why it's done. I've been doing, I've been in advertising for 20 years. This is, it's all about relationships. It's all about, you know. And I remember saying, well, this is all wrong. It doesn't make any sense to me, but I don't know how to do it any better. So I don't know. So I was eventually introduced to a, a, an individual by a former client who said, you're very good at what you do. Okay. And I think if you understood why what you do works and you could deliberately do it rather than just doing it the way you're doing it, you have structure to it. I think you'll do very well. And he goes, I want to introduce you to someone who has a great skill set. Um, and this guy was called Marcus and I was introduced to him and he taught me a lot of stuff. Uh, he taught me the psychology of selling. He taught me about, um, transactional analysis. He taught me about how to ask better questions. So I learned a lot from him. Um, and then I spent time with him. He didn't employ me. He just said I could, you know, work alongside him. And if I sold, he took money off me if I didn't. So I did that for a few years with him. Um, and then so I he decided, was like a mentor, Benjamin. Yeah, like a mentor, but a brutal taskmaster. He did nothing okay. for me at all. If I had a problem, I could take it to him, but only if I tried three things to fix it. And if I ever said I found this difficult or tough, he'd just tell me to quit. Yeah, that was it. It was, it was quite brutal. So that's why I'm quite tough on people because learned helplessness doesn't help anyone. So my job is to get people to figure this out for themselves, but there to help. So, um, and I read a lot of books, I listened to a lot of material, and I just started doing the stuff that people said in books you should do to get good. And what I discovered is the real key to selling is consistency, discipline, and structure, which, if you think about it, is the key to success in anything in life. But you really have to do it. So I would prospect every day. I would make sure I talked to so many managing directors a day. I would follow the same process, never deviate. 
And that's what most salespeople find difficult is following a process. And if it doesn't have a 100% strike rate or an 80% strike rate, they drop it. My job isn't when I'm out prospecting, when I'm out selling, isn't to get 80% of people to say yes, it's to get the right 20% because the right 20% pay premium. So that's what I'm after. So I spent, it took me a good three and a half years to get good at what I do. Um, I nearly lost all my money because when I decided to do this on my own, I had to, I gave up my prospecting job for agencies because I realized oh, right, okay. because I had money coming in, I wasn't really focusing on developing the art of selling and selling in sales training. So I had to quit my job. So it meant I had no income. So you're just hard. fully studying at this time, pretty much. Fully just doing that. Well, not even studying, just learning the art, learning from mistake, making notes, go out, trial, fail, trial, Got fail, it. reading books. So studying, yeah, reading, um, getting guidance where necessary, but working as hard as I could. And it all over time, it's not a quick fix. It takes a long time to become good at anything. Um, and that's another problem salespeople have. They're in such a rush to get somewhere. And if they have a quick win, they hold on to that for dear life. Yeah, and they're not in it for the long haul. So, so yeah, I just got good at doing the stuff that books say you should get good at doing rather than just reading a book and ignoring it. So I developed the skills and I was hard on myself. Um, and now I'm, I can say, I'm, I reckon I'm good. I could be a lot better. Um, and that's the beauty of, of, of being a professional. You always know you can be better, but every year has to be different. So I've sure. talked enough. You need to ask. Some so what we were going for your story. I was enjoying it. So we, you trained yourself for several years. It sounds like you found this mentor. Yeah. And what happened next though? So where, where did you go into taking from what it sounds like almost earning no money to building so, up a well, business? I had to develop. Uh, so this falls onto digital marketing. I had to develop a brand. And so I've met, so everything that I've learned and everything I teach, I have stolen. So I, I'm not some Oracle that's figured this out. Other people figured all this stuff out. I don't, I didn't create the psychology. I just learned from someone who'd learned from someone who'd learned from someone. So, um, so I've met a lot of people in my journeys that have given me advice. I met a guy that specialized in LinkedIn and his advice to me was, you need to just write something every day. You need to produce content. Know your audience, write to your audience, do it every single day consistently. And it's like, well, that's just like prospecting. So I, so October 2016, it must have been, I think it was October 2016, I made the commitment that every day, Monday to Friday, by 8 a.m., I would post something. And I've pretty much stuck to that for the last three years. I then had to create a brand. And I met a guy um, called Brad, who's a motivational speaker. And he's sure. known as the UK's number one. And I asked him, how did you become number one? And he said, read my book, page 26. So I read it. And all it said was, I made it up. <laughs> and so I phoned him and said, what? what? He, goes, he, goes, he goes, if I was to ask, if I was to say to you, I am the greatest, who would you think of? I said, um, Muhammad Ali. He goes, exactly. But he wasn't the greatest boxer ever. He just kept saying it. And eventually it stuck. He goes, so you need to create your own brand, become you and create something that's you. So I originally put myself down as a UK second best motivational speaker. Ah, I didn't know that. Uh, it was a joke. And when people would say, <laughs> well, why don't you want to be number one? I'd say, cause I can't be bothered. You know, it was a bit of a, yeah, but uh, I'm not a motivational speaker. And so it didn't fit. So I, I sat I went through LinkedIn and thought, what do people call themselves? And if you read LinkedIn, everyone, well, not everyone, a lot of people call themselves a leader, a professional, an expert, a guru, you know, proven track record, um, Jedi, all of this BS. Yeah. It's made up, but they have to tell people how good they are. And I thought, well, what does nobody want to be? Oh, no one wants to be hated. And because no one wants to be hated, it means no one occupies the space, which means if I own the space, I can own it. If I take it, I'll own it. And that's what he said, create a space and own it. So I came up with the UK's most hated sales trainer because it doesn't make any sense. 
but it enabled my personality, which is quite blunt and direct, to just be me with the protection of this, well, he is the UK's most hated. Um, and so I just hammered it. And I tell you, the hardest thing was standing up at networking events or at public events and introducing yourself. You've got to introduce yourself. So hi, my name's Benjamin. I'm the UK's most hated salsa. Now that is remarkably uncomfortable to do. Yeah, how did that go down the first time? Well, people just looked at you <laughs> like you were an idiot. And I'm in the, I've got braces on and I uh, got the long hair and but people started to warm to me and my process and I kept writing every day and I knew who I was writing to. I knew I was writing to MDs and CEOs. So I thought I can only slag off salespeople then because salespeople will hate it. Sales managers will probably hate it, but the guy that matters the most will be reading it and not saying anything, but thinking to himself, he describes my sales team. And I knew that over time, they'd start to reach out. And exactly that happened. Benjamin, I've been following you for a few months now, and you describe my sales team. You describe my sales life. Can we meet? And so it's been, it's been, a, it's like I say, I, it, it's taken several years to build up, uh, just like any business. Um, and if you can get through the first two without going bankrupt, um, you should make it, but it's the first two that are hard because people tell you to quit. You think you should quit. It's really hard. It'd be just easy to go back to doing it the way I was used to doing it. Got it. Okay. So back in hard. 2016, you essentially came up with this idea for a brand Yeah. with the help of Brad Burton, Yeah. who's hopefully coming on the show a couple of weeks, actually. And yeah, so you, you, he basically said, look, check out this page in my book. Yeah. He said, make something up. You, yeah. you made this up. I made it up. And it was, it was something that was different. It was something that stood out. Yeah. And by investing your time into creating a decent LinkedIn post daily, you've, you've helped yourself build up a brand for the long term. And you, you yeah. gradually started getting MDs or CEOs or owners of businesses to Over make time. inquiries with you. And I had to consistently write. I had to write intelligently. And I had to write so that they would understand. And, and people started to see it. And then we had Donald Trump, the phenomenon that is Donald Trump. And when I saw his hat with Make America Great Again, I thought, well, I got to nick that. Yeah. <laughs> Believe, bizarrely, the number of people that say, how did you come up with the idea with the hat? It amuses me. It's like, it's, isn't it obvious? Um, so make salesmen great again. I thought, yeah. And then that became the hashtag for everything. Um, and so I thought now I've got, I've got a brand, I've got an image, I've got a, a clear strap line. Uh, now all I've got to do is ruthlessly and unashamedly promote it. Got it. Cause when, that's it. when you're doing sales training before, if I remember right, cause I followed you for some time, were you yep. doing Sandler sales training before? So I, I did some, yeah, I was an associate of Sandler training for a while and a lot of their stuff, uh, is very good. Um, and they, and Marcus was a part of, uh, uh this company. Um, well, it's not a, it's a franchise operation, so you don't actually work. For it. Oh, so I, I used to do a lot of, um, he, like I said, he mentored me and a lot of their stuff. So a lot of their stuff, the psychology, again, they took from a guy called Dr. Eric Byrne and they incorporated. So the challenger sale, I don't know if you've ever read the book, the challenger sale. I've never read it. I've heard a lot about it. Yeah, again, a lot of that stuff in there points out that great salesmen challenge. A lot of what Sandler teaches people is to challenge, challenge, challenge. So the idea that anyone who's good at selling or who is a professional, in fact, it doesn't even, it's a, a professional challenges people. Um, and so adopting and developing the skill set to challenge people um, is the real key and it's knowing how to do that and then also learning the art of how to ask questions in a way that doesn't upset people even though they're going to be uncomfortable and challenging so you have to learn a lot to get good at it just like a lawyer has to learn how to act and behave in court to come across in a manner that people will like but at the same time respect it's the same thing so it's it's, it's a bit of acting it's a bit of psychiatry it's knowing how to challenge um, it's a good mindset. It's getting out of your own way. It's developing the mindset. I think there's rich dad, poor dad. 
Uh, there's a book, a famous book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and the mindset, there's no such thing as poor. No one's poor, they're broke. Poor is a mindset, broke is a state. Yeah, and so you can be broke, but not poor. So a lot of people in the third world have dirt poor. You know, they have nothing, they're broke, but they have a much more positive outlook on life and they tend to be happier than people in the West who've got a lot of stuff because they're not poor in mind. You know, they're, they're, they're poor in tangible things. And we forget that. And so that's one of the mindsets that I had to develop is that, well, what's the worst that can happen? Got it. And I see that resonating quite a lot in some of your posts, Benjamin, where you're mm. talking about mindset and talking about the fact that if you're either a business owner or if you're a salesperson, whatever, um, you talk about the fact that you shouldn't care if you win or lose the deal. No. You should just act as though you don't need it. Yeah. Well, another thing I stole from the Buddhists is they, they have a wonderful saying, which I, I, I frequently use. It's they say, what is the root of all misery? And the root of all misery is attachment. If you're miserable, it's because you're holding on to something. You're, you're not happy with your, your, your love life. What are you holding on to? Are you with a miserable partner? You hate your job. You're holding on to your job. But I can't quit my job because I need the money. So now you're holding on to that. You're holding on to something that keeps you there. And if you go into a telephone prospecting call or if you go into a sales meeting with the intention of getting appointment, or selling, you're attached to the outcome. And if you're attached to the outcome, you can't do what's required to do your job properly. So you're so focused on winning and getting to where you need to be, you miss all the cues around you as to why you won't get there. So I'm not attached to the outcome of any sales meeting or any phone call. What I am attached to is doing a process right, just like the Ford production line. If a car comes out the end without its lights, they don't sit there scratching their head saying, well, it's Brexit's fault or it must be that time of year. They say, well, hold on, we've got a whole process here. At what point were the lights meant to be put in? Why weren't they put in? Let's go right back to where that should have happened. This is what we did wrong. The machine had run out of batteries or someone had plugged it and it could have put the lights in. So you fix it. And then, so it's all about process and everything in life is process, structure and system. And you just got to get good at doing the same thing over and over again and that's the key to any success but having a process sets you free and it allows you to be attached to how you get there not whether or not you get there and that's what i'm interested in how but, uh, i get there not whether i get there to follow the process rather than rely on follow the, the process just like at school when you're doing that remember you do a math question and there was nothing worse than in brackets you'd have the words show your workings so it's very easy to get an equation right. You could look at it, I, I, the answer's 42, I know. But when they say explain how you got the 42, uh, <laughs> and you can't, it's like, well, that's great. You got the right answer. That's great. You made a sale. But why? How did we get here? And if you can't replicate that consistently, you're not a salesman. You're not a mathematician. You're just lucky. You just had a good break. I don't want that. All about the process. All right, Benjamin. So when did you decide that sales training itself was for you? Because you tried recruitment, you tried lead gen, which you got pretty good at. You started working for yourself. You started training, learning, taking yeah. on a mentor. When did you decide that you should be training salespeople? I suppose it originally started, the, the first idea came to me when I was working with a client and he said, you're very good at what you do. Would you be willing to spend some time teaching other people? So that's where I got my first flavor. I was asked, right. actually. So I'm not a trained trainer. I've never, I've never learned any specific skills on how to teach or train people. Um, and one of the main reasons I wanted to start training people how to sell. So obviously Sandler and Marcus, they're a sales training company. So they sold sales training services. But in order to get good at sales training, you have to be good at what you sell. There's an irony there. And Fair I think enough. you're being judged more harshly than an ordinary salesman because if you can't sell what you're selling, then how can you teach people to sell it? So the reason I thought sales training would be a great way to, would be a great business to go into was not because I wanted to be a sales trainer, but because it would force me to get good at selling. Yeah. <laughs> so I become a sales, almost like I became a salesman by default. I become a sales trainer by default. But it was because I wanted to be a good salesman. 
and there's no better way to learn than to try and teach. So people say, you must have it easy then if you get to sell them the thing that you teach. And I said, well, you try selling in something you don't know how to do. So that is why um, uh, uh, I live and breathe everything now. So it's almost become my, it's hard to separate, I suppose, at times a salesman from the trainer and the trainer from the person because everything I do is sort of merged into one. But I always have the mindset knowing going in that even if I fail, even if I cock up a call and I go wrong or I lose a sale that I knew I should have had, but for something I did wrong, I don't take it personally. I say, well, the salesman failed. Me as a person, I didn't fail. Um, or if I have a bad training session, I go, well, that was a pretty crap day as a sales trainer, but the person, Benjamin, I'm fine. My role failed. I didn't fail as a person. So, yeah, I, all of this is, like I say, no one chooses to be in sales. It's, it's something you find no, yourself in. I'd, exactly, I'd certainly agree. And I, I definitely didn't choose to be in sales. Um, I pretty much got pulled into it. And, and here we are. So, all right. So you, you're basically saying that sales training is a mix of actually training people, homing in on your own skills and yeah. utilizing that and following the process that you've yeah. set in place over the years. Which is great. And I, I'm, I'm a pretty affable guy and people find me entertaining. So there is a skill also because, I mean, it's, 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 I suppose I heard the phrase too. Someone's used the phrase before and I've nicked it. It's edutain, no, yeah, edutainment. Um, and when you get a room full of salespeople, you have to be able not only to impart knowledge, but you have to be able to entertain and engage them. Um, and I've always, I suppose, had a natural proclivity to be able to perform and make people laugh and i've sat we've all just like there are great lawyers there are crap lawyers great accountants crap i've met some sales trainers which would you know oh my goodness it's just <laughs> brutal i've sat in on sales training and thought how do these people make money and then you realize they probably aren't <laughs> yeah would you say your law background kind of came into play with that sort of thing law Yes, law's an act, isn't it? A lawyer dresses up for goodness sake. He puts on a wigging gown and he goes in and gives a performance. Uh, and lawyers are trained to ask questions to move someone from A to B. A salesman has to move a prospect from A to B. A lawyer knows that everybody's lying. <laughs> yeah? A salesman should know that your prospect is constantly lying to you. And they lie, not maybe deliberately, but they lie by omission. They lie by exaggeration. Um, they tell you things that they think are relevant that aren't, or they hold things back that they don't think are relevant that are. So they're consistently never giving you the full picture. Same with a lawyer. So a lawyer's job is, I've got to get to the truth. Because if I know the truth, I can then diagnose the right solution. But I know this whole process is going to be you probably not wanting to tell me why such and such happened or how such and such happened. So I think law helped me um, develop the questioning techniques. Um, and it also taught me I don't have to be liked. Um, I was going to specialize in criminal defense law primarily because no one likes criminal lawyers. So I've always had a natural attraction to not being, not having people like me. I like being liked, but I don't care if people hate me. Put it that way. Great. And this will be a good lesson for business owners, sales professionals, anyone watching or listening alike. So when you say that prospects, customers always lie to you, I've followed you, Benjamin, a lot, so I know yeah. what you're going to say. But tell us a bit more about exactly what you mean when you say that. Well, as a prospect, I can tell a salesman anything I want, and it's perfectly fair. So I can tell you I'm interested when I'm not interested. I can tell you I'm not interested when I am interested. I can tell you I have money when I have none. I can tell you I have no money when I have lots of money. I can tell you my budget's 100 when I can go to 150. Yeah, I can tell you I'll think it over and never think of it again. I can tell you I'll call you back next week and never call you. Yeah, I can pretty much say what I like to you guilt free. And I can tell you I'm the decision maker when I have to run it past my wife or my business partner or my finance director. So I will lie to you, not deliberately, but because I've been raised, it's okay to lie. And I use the example most people learn to lie from their parents. And I give the, this is an example, I give two examples. The first example is, is I guarantee at some point, the people watching this show, they were maybe six or seven years old. They were sitting at the dinner table. Mum and dad are there, everybody's there. 
the phone rang and dad answered and he said, no, she's not in. And who was that dad? He goes, sales call. (laughs) Yeah. And you learn, oh, it's okay to lie to a salesman. You were in the shop with your dad looking at the VCR and he's asking the sales guy, well, can it do this? Does it do that? How much will it cost? And your dad gets the answers. And then the salesman said, so shall I wrap it for you, sir? And dad goes, well, no, I need to discuss it with my wife first. So I'll be back. I'll be back. And then you leave. You go, dad, dad, are we going to buy? He goes, no, too expensive. Oh, but you said, no, 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 no. You just say that. So we all learn from childhood that it is legitimate and fair to lie in the sales process. And we take that through with us into adulthood. And salespeople don't challenge it because when they hear it, a little voice to them says, well, I'd probably say the same thing too. So they let them do it. So that's what I mean. And once you understand that, it makes selling a lot easier. That's it. And these are all common objections that businesses hear from businesses, owners either hear from their sales reps or sales reps hear direct. Yeah. And is there any quick and easy way to overcome these Benjamin? No, if it was quick and easy, I'd be a billionaire, wouldn't I? Because <laughs> I would have figured out a way to turn it into a USB that I could just plug into someone's brain. It's through, it's through understanding that a salesman's job is to challenge, not to be subservient, right? Salespeople don't appreciate that. They're, because the person with the money tends to set the rules or the pace, they go along with it. No, I don't care if you got money. My issue is, do you have a problem I can fix? If the answer is yes, you need to convince me why I should help you. That is the mindset of a salesman. Not, great, why don't I show you how I can help? Because then you're handing over everything. So it's really important that you don't let the buyer dictate the relationship terms. But most salespeople believe selling is about convincing, developing relationships, being liked, demonstrating value, and if you do that enough, someone will buy. And they will. But you might as well buy a lottery ticket as well. I mean, it's just as effective. That's it. And that's like we were going back to what you're previously saying, having a process and following yeah, that. Process. Which makes sense. Okay. So going back to your business, Benjamin, and the starting yes. of that. So I know you're a big believer in cold calling. I know you yes. talk quite a fair bit about cold calling. You've even yes. released some videos where you do live cold calls, um, yeah. especially the one that blew up and went pretty yes. viral on LinkedIn. Cool. So you've also mentioned that you've had pretty good success on LinkedIn. So yes. you, you said someone told you, I may know who that is, uh, to start posting daily, putting out content, yeah. and that slowly got you inbound leads. So yeah. with this show, we like to take the angle of how digital marketing has helped you grow. And it sounds like LinkedIn's yeah. been a decent tool for you on that front. Has it been better than cold calling? Uh, no, because it took a long time uh, to get any traction. Uh, and we live in a world of instant gratification. And younger people particularly don't appreciate that for anything good to happen, it takes time. Yeah, so you'll as you get older, you hear the expression of the first time I heard it, it made me laugh. I think it was a couple of years ago. I was talking to some successful businessman, and he just said, you know, it took me 15 years to become an overnight success. <laughs> and so what happens is, is we look at people that are successful and we don't see the years that it took them to get there. Yeah, you suddenly all out of all of a sudden Facebook is everywhere and you'd never heard of it. You think, well, they must have just created it a few weeks ago. The years of work to get it to where it was. And salespeople are the same. They quit too soon. They quit on the phone. They quit on using LinkedIn. Like I say, LinkedIn is a great medium, but I spent two years having to write to create a a, a persona that people started to buy in and believe. Two years. Yeah, the first two years, nothing. Nada. No leads. leads. Zip. Nothing. No. And, but I knew like anything, it's consistency and process. What's my process? Write every day. Consistency, do it every day. Who am I writing to? The same people every day. Every day. And that was it. Knowing that if you do this, it will pay off. So I always use the example. I, I, maybe you've seen the film or maybe you're too young. Karate Kid, the classic. Oh, yeah, of course. Great film. And he meets Mr. Miyagi, right? Awesome and he film, wants yeah. to learn how to do what Mr. Miyagi does. And remember, he gives him the wax. Wax on, wax off. Wax on. And then he had to paint the fence up, down. That's it. And that's all he did for God knows how long. Days and days and days. Days and days. And it made no sense. And he said, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? This is achieving nothing. 
And then when he showed him and he started to pull it all together, he saw this is the same. You have to do it consistently, habitually, even when it doesn't seem to work. Because it will work. You've just got to be consistent enough and get good enough. And people quit too soon. That's why salespeople are losers. They get into a job. After about 18 months to 24 months, they realize someone's going to cotton on they're not that good, so they start job hunting. And people hire crappy recruit, I mean, hire crappy salespeople because it's just easier to take on someone that looks like they got some experience, try them out. They may do something, they may not. And so, no, wax on, wax off. Got it. Okay. So it sounds like from what you're teaching, then you're going after the long term game. You're recommending the long term game, whether it's. But this is it. Most 85, 90% of people in sales don't really want to be there. So if you don't really want to be somewhere, are you going to put in the effort to really get good? The answer is no. Say you like golf, but you don't want to be a professional golfer. Are you still going to go out and follow the routine of a professional golfer? No. This is the problem with salespeople. They're there because... They got nowhere else to go. After five years, they realize they have no transferable skill. So unless they set up their own business or get a bar job on some Hawaiian island selling mahikas, they're screwed. So right. as long as I do enough to get by. And are those the two strategies that you use to generate new business, Benjamin? Cold calling and, and LinkedIn. Is there any other channels that you recommend or use? Well, I would, re- I mean, you could use any channel. I don't think there's any one that's wrong or right. I think the most effective is picking up the phone and talking to a human being because at the end of the day, selling is the art of human communication. Uh, and LinkedIn is great to get someone to create a conversation. You still got to talk to someone. Telephone prospecting still is the most direct route to talk to a decision maker. It is also the most challenging. Therefore, most less people do it, which means if you're good at it, you will have more conversations with more people because so few people are doing it and the ones that do do it, do it half-heartedly. So yeah, I would say cold calling simply because you get to talk to someone. LinkedIn's great, but I still want to pick up the phone and talk to them. I don't want to email back and forth. No, sure. And that that makes sense at present. Um, But would you say in years to come, with kind of more and more for enforcements, obviously GDPR only affects B2C rather than business to business, which is what you're doing. So you're calling yeah. decision makers within businesses. Yeah. But with the rise of technology, do you think it's going to become harder and harder to reach those decision makers on the phone? So digital might be the channels to use? Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because if you go back to the 1970s, how many phones were there? Far less than there are Not today, yet it worked. <laughs> uh, now we're going to be in a world where everybody's got a phone on them. And someone's saying it's going to be harder to reach somebody. Um, No, I think technology, like anything, adapt and evolve. As a salesman, you've just got to get better at getting through to people. You've got to change your tactic. But you still need to get someone on the phone. So this arguably is on the phone because we're having a conversation over, you know, an electronic means. This, This is fine. But again, lead generation and prospecting isn't selling. Selling is what you do once you've got someone to talk to you. So as a prospecting tool, use them all. But the one guaranteed to teach you how to sell better is the one where you get to talk to them. And that's the phone. It's free. Everyone's got a phone and people answer a ringing bell. I don't know why, but they tend to. All right, Benjamin. So what are your biggest highs and lows in your business so far as the UK's most hated sales trainer? Highs and lows? That's a good question. Uh, The lows were when I was really struggling to make this work and I was questioning and challenging everything that I was doing. Um, I've hit my head on the wall so many times, but every time I thought that it wouldn't work, I had to ask myself, is there an intellectual reason why this won't work? And the answer was always, well, no. So then it's, well, it's either because you can't do it or you won't do it. So you have a choice now. You either quit or you just push through the pain. So, so the low points were, yeah, a couple of years ago, it was really, really, really low, really low. Um, but I pushed through because there's always an end. There's always an end. So um, there's always a season for reaping and there's a season for um, sowing. Um, and most people are in a rush to reap. 
but you got to put the sewing in and the sewing is hard. So that's that. So lows were a couple of years ago when things were really tough. Highs, highs are getting flown to Miami nice. to do training. Yeah, How I've been you... three times in the last four months. Awesome, man. How did yeah. you get that client? Pardon? How did you get that client? Uh, ironically, they've been following my content on YouTube and LinkedIn. There we go. The guys had applied some of the stuff and they phoned me. Uh, no, they didn't. They emailed me and um, I suggested we have a call. And at the end of that call, I sold them in on the idea of it getting me out there. So, Excellent. yeah, years of work. That wouldn't have happened two years ago. Excellent. didn't have the reputation so video has been very good for me and not because because uh, it's content but people like watching me make cold calls and they like watching me do it because i think they finally see everything that i've written about for years actually work and that has made people think maybe this guy isn't an idiot maybe he actually does know what he's talking about that's a good point actually you're one of the few sales trainers that i actually see that kind of practice what they preach i'm probably gonna upset a fair few people here but oh, i, don't I haven't too seen much. any I but i don't see it much it's, no, I, it's just I, a rare I, I, thing i mean i i posted a video of me cold calling a while ago and i thought it was quite funny and yeah. <laughs> it's just not I, something you see a lot don't do it i i bet most sales trainers don't telephone prospect um because nobody likes prospecting it sucks True. i hate it i'm good at it but I don't like it, but I still, I don't do as much as I had to because I've spent years, you know, developing um, the reputation, but I still do it. So whenever I work with a client, so tomorrow I'll be cold calling. Um, I cold call with clients um, and I, I can spend half a day, learn a bit about the product and then pick up the phone. So you don't need months of getting your feet under the table if you have a process. Doesn't matter what you sell, the process never changes. Excellent. Just, just the words, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So if you were to go into an organization, would you teach them both cold calling and would you say get active on LinkedIn as well and possibly YouTube and video creation? Well, the problem is uh, I, if, you're a, 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 if you're a salesman working for a company, it's very hard to use LinkedIn as a means to drive people to you because you're just a part of a bigger machine. Whereas an individual like me who can create his own brand and can pretty much say what he likes and not get fired. Um, he's at liberty but use linkedin as a way of finding people but i'd use it as a mechanism to figure out the name of the person i need to call okay so to open the door yeah well like i say it will work but how many people now are on linkedin sending in mails yeah fair few exactly so unless you're a really great copywriter with a really unique thing to say you're going to get drowned in fact I don't even read messages that come from InMail because as soon as I see InMail now, the word spam is associated with InMail. Fair enough. I suspect okay. a lot of people are like that. <laughs> All right. So that's, yeah, that's that sort of thing. So is there any advice, Benjamin, that you could help anyone that's thinking of starting a business or recently started a business? Any particular golden nuggets that you'd... Yeah. Uh, a lot of people set up businesses and forget one thing you got to sell what you have and you're not a managing director. You're not an entrepreneur. You're a salesman. And the sooner you get it through your head that you're in sales and that your job is to sell, it'll make it a lot easier. But most people like to think they got a great idea. It's a brilliant concept. People are just going to come to me. doesn't work like that. Yeah. Maybe so every now and then someone strikes it lucky with something so unique. People just buy it from you. But then you're not in sales, then you're in order taking. But most people have to go out and find people. And the problem they have is they try and go and talk to people about what it is that they do. No one gives a toss about what you do. What they care about is how can you help me or how does what you do fix a problem in my world? But when you're brand new and you're selling, all you want to do is talk about what you do. People don't care. So shut up about what you do. That would be my biggest tip. <laughs> Great. And are there any particular habits that business owners or sales reps should be following to make sure that they're a success? You have to prospect daily. Okay. Every day. Yeah. You have to prospect daily and you have to learn from your mistakes. So prospecting isn't making $10 and then giving up. It's figuring out how many decision makers do I have to talk to in order to get one appointment and then decide how many appointments you want to get a week 
and then say, well, that's the number of decision makers I must talk to in any given period of time. And then you keep phoning until you have that number of conversations. It could be a hundred dials. It could be five dials. I don't care how many dials you make. It's you've got to habitually be talking to enough people to get in front of them. And you need to be meeting more people than you can sell to. Makes sense. Because if you're only meeting enough to sell to, you become desperate and needy. I want you to sit in front of someone and say, you know what? I can fuck this up and I've still got another four meetings. What right. do I care? Great. Okay. So basically you're saying if, if you're a business, you should act more so, or a business owner rather, you should act more so like you're a salesperson and you should effectively look to stuff and keep that pipeline full of opportunities by prospecting daily and keeping daily. plenty of appointments yeah. or meetings or whatever you do to close new business. Yeah. And realize you're the most unimportant person in a sales meeting and that's the other problem no one gives a toss about you or your business even if they are so just being polite i'd agree brilliant all right benjamin thanks very much and before we go i've got a question that i like to ask everyone if you could thank just one person either dead or alive for having a positive influence on your life and your career who would that be and why Ooh. I'll tell you, and that's going to sound cliche because there are lots of people I could actually mention, but the one person who stuck by me is my wife, even though it got tough. And without her saying, she could have said, get a job. Yeah, but she didn't. She said, I believe that you'll make this work. And I know. So my wife stuck by me the whole time, no matter how difficult it got. So that without that, I don't know if I would have carried on. So that was very important to me. Awesome. And uh, I'd, I'd probably be on the same page, I'd imagine. Excellent. Yeah. All right, Benjamin, how can people connect with you? Tell us a little bit more about your business and how people can get in touch with your good self. Well, LinkedIn is pretty much, I, I don't really, I, I've got someone that does some social media stuff, but LinkedIn uh, is where to find me or my YouTube channel, which is UK's most hated sales trainer. I believe is the handle. Um, those are the two places. Um, and I have a website, but it's again, UK's most hated sales trainer.com. So it's not hard to find me if you want to find me, but uh, if you want to reach out uh, LinkedIn um, yeah, or drop me an email again, UK's most hated sales trainer.com Benjamin. So yeah, it's very easy to find me if you're looking for me specifically. Simple as that. Excellent. Everyone, you've been listening to Sam's Business Growth Show, where we interview experts, business leaders, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We find out their story, how digital has helped them along the way, and their trips, tips, and tricks to help you grow your own business. Thanks very much for coming on, Benjamin. Oh, no, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Sam. Appreciate it. Cheers. Sam's Business Growth Show is sponsored by webchoiceuk.com, helping businesses grow with results-driven digital marketing, conversion-focused web design, and custom web and mobile applications. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales, and business growth tips from the experts.